heart. Um, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians? Galatians. It's a little book in the New Testament. You got all the prophets. You got the Gospels, and you got the all the little First Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, all that stuff. So Galatians chapter six, verse number nine. Go ahead and just put your finger in that. We'll get to that. Today, we're going to be looking at the movie Sully. And this movie is about a pilot, if you know, that he was flying one day and just normal flight routine. And all of a sudden, the birds came, ruined the engines, and he ended up having to land in the Hudson. Y'all remember the story? It's actually a true story. But they made a movie. So today, I want to talk about how to stand your ground in the face of adversity. I wanted to title today, Turned for Good. Everybody say, Turned for Good. Turned for Good. I love that even we were singing that today, Turn It Around for Good, because that's what our God does. I know there are things that happen in our lives that we can't control. There's situations that take place and everybody's story is different. Everybody has those chapters where you're feeling pretty good, and then you hit a chapter where it's like the bottom dropped out. A storm of life hits. And in those times, we can feel inadequate. You can feel like quitting. There's a lot of times that you can feel like you don't know how to continue on. And I want to talk today about how do you stand your ground in the midst of the times that are beyond your control. The times that you can't fix it with crazy tape and super glue. You can't put it back together. There's too many pieces. It's too difficult for you. I want to talk, what do you do in that time? Because we all find our, ourselves in that place at, at some point in our life. And whether you're there or you know somebody who's there, I want to look at the word of God and see, what does God say to us about this? I just want to turn into Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Would you read with me? And let's jump actually to verse number 8. Let's start there. Verse 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And then verse 9. So, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Come on, somebody bump your neighbor and say, don't give up. Come on, act like you mean it. Come on, say, don't give up. You don't know what their story is. You don't know what they're dealing with. They could be struggling right now. Come on, tell them, say, don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes that's all you need to hear, isn't it? Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. I love this scripture and the context of it is those who live a life to please their sinful nature, which is just feeding of the world, anything of the worldly flesh, they will from that reap a harvest of death and destruction because that's all there is that the world has to offer. Do you know that the end of everything that the world has on a silver platter for you is death? That's all it is. All the money, all the fame, all the popularity, all the things we go after with our whole life, it all ends in death and you don't take it with you. He says, if you build your entire life on this, 
going after the things of the world and getting so busy with just being rich in the world's eyes, you will end in this life of reaping a harvest of death and decay. He said, but those who are led by the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit will reap a harvest of everlasting life, of things that can't put a price on. And so then he says, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't grow tired of doing good, of putting yourself into something that invests in something that returns a good thing. I want to talk to us today because I believe that all of us have a specific purpose on our life to build. We talked about it today, build your church. We're singing that in worship. And, and that is my heart's cry to the Father. Lord, build your church. Use me. Use me. But sometimes it takes us surrendering. In fact, every time. It takes us surrendering to what God wants to do. But in the middle of the building, in the middle of doing what the Lord wants you to do, there's things that take place and happen in our lives, whether it's a relationship that falls apart or it's a job that falls out or it's kids that rebel and go away from God or, or whatever it is that's your story. You got married, you're all hot and passionate, and all of a sudden you figure out that, oh, the love is out the window. Now we got to build. Now we got to do something that lasts. You thought that job was something, and then it, it ended up being something totally different. He says, don't grow weary of doing good. He said, at the proper time, everybody say the proper time. I love God's timing, but at the same time, I hate it. I got a love-hate relationship with this timing because it's ultimately perfect, but it never lines up with my perfect timing. I want it now. I want it here. I want to feel good right as the storm takes place. I want the Lord to come in and do his thing. And here's the Lord's, the Lord's desire for our lives. The Lord's desire for your life is revival. I say, what does revival mean? There's a lot of definitions of revival. And I truly believe it's a life that is revived, a true fullness of life. Revival is something coming alive to the fullness of what it was designed and purposed to be. I believe the Lord wants to pour out revival to every one of our hearts. I believe that we're not supposed to just make it through life. The struggle is real. Making it to the grave, you know, just struggling through. Just got to put in the time at my job. Just got to put my time into my family. Like, I believe that God wants us to do so much more than that. He wants us to live in the overflow of revival. The joy, the peace, the strength, the purpose. It bursts out of us. And I laugh because uh, I actually sat on a panel with Tommy. And we were up here talking at the teacher's appreciation dinner. And I remember I, I'd never spoken in public with you. We're just, you know, friend to friend, talk, talk. But then when he gets the mic and he starts talking, all of a sudden, it's like, all right, let me talk. And I was like, whoa, look at all that life. How many were there at the teacher's appreciation dinner? You know what I'm talking about. This boy can preach. He said, I want to motivate. I'm like, I, I'm motivated. I'm not even a teacher and I'm motivated. But that's what the children of God should look like is when we walk in, we light things up. And he says, don't grow weary of this because this is the, the grand design for your life is to be in revival, to be in flow. But I understand life happens. I'm gonna look at our first clip. So 
we are in the airplane now. And by the way, you got little snacks on your chair. Um, so whenever you go into the airplane, they give you those pretzels and whatever. If I were in charge, you'd be getting a pack of Oreos, okay? So that's why the Oreos are today, because they're a little sweeter, a little better. Um, but anyway, so check out the first clip. They're in the plane, normal day, normal life. And this is where we all find ourselves. And then all of a sudden, the birds. Brace for impact. Do you ever feel like that in your life? You're going steady. Everything's going well. Life's just whatever. It's, it's great. And then all of a sudden, brace for impact. Life hits. Something takes place that takes your feet out. And you weren't expecting it. I want to talk today because I think in those moments, we as the children of God have a superpower. We have the Holy Spirit that enables us to stand firm in any situation. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care what's going on in our, our, our America as things are taking place and getting, going down paths. Like We are stabled on an unshakable kingdom. It's our reality. It's not the world's reality. So when the intercom comes over and says, brace for impact, we can stand our ground. I think one of the biggest things that we need to note and I want to encourage you with today, is the topic of compromise. Compromise is the first step to failure. Think about it. When you're in a situation and you cut corners or you do something halfway, you compromise. Well, today I don't feel like meeting with God, so I'll compromise. I'll do a little bit here. Well, this week is a little crazy, so I don't have time to, you fill in the blank. And we compromise. We, we set ourselves up for failure. Because how many know on the other side of compromise is another compromise? It's so easy. Once you do it once, it's like one Oreo leads to what? Another Oreo. Which leads to the whole pack being gone. The kids being like, Dad, really? I'm like, dude, they're mega stuffed. How are you going to put mega stuffed out and not expect your dad to eat every single one? Compromise leads to compromise, which leads to failure. And so if I would encourage you with anything today, if you get nothing else, know this. The Lord wants you to stay the course. To stay the course. To lean into what you have as your superpower. To stand your ground for what you know is right. Compromise is a steep path, and it's one that leads to destruction, but it all starts with one decision. It's one decision. I remember when we were dating, me and Ashley, we, we set up parameters for ourselves. You know, we just, we heard too many stories of couples that went down paths and got into trouble, and we wanted to stay the course in our love for each other. And so we'd set up parameters and set up things, and I remember there are many times where it would have been very easy to compromise. Very easy to be like, it's just one time. One of our rules, and, and this is just personal, I'm not preaching this as a standard, but one of our rules was we wouldn't be in a house alone until we were married. And so every time we would go home, I'd be like, mom, where are you at? And she'd be like, oh, we're still out. We'd be like, all right, we're driving around until they get home. 
It'd been so easy to be like, okay, it's just being home and alone in a house. It's not a big deal. It's not a sin. But to us, we wanted to stay the course. And so we said, no, we're not compromising. We can't go outside of what we know is right, what we feel is right for us. And I would say to you, what are the parameters you need to put around your life, your relationships, the way you parent, the way you have integrity at your job, the way you have integrity with how you lead, with how you serve God, the parameters around how you give him number one of your time, talent, and treasure. What are those things you say, I will not compromise. I will not back down. I won't veer to the right to the left because that compromise leads to another compromise, which leads to another compromise. And all of a sudden I find myself saying, mayday, mayday, I'm going down. I I counsel way too many people who sit in my office and talk to me about how everything fell apart. And if we track it back, it always tracks back to compromise. Never does a man wake up and say, I think today I'm going to have an affair. I think today I'm going to throw in everything. I'm just going to give it all up, my family, my marriage. I think I'm going to just screw it all up and do an affair. No. What happened? It's one lunch. It's one time of conversation that went a little deeper than just shallow talk. It's emotional connection, which leads to something. It's compromise after compromise after compromise, which leads to this path of destruction. And I would encourage you today, stand your ground. Stay the course, no matter what comes your way. All right, set up the next clip because this one, now the birds hit, the engine's gone. Now he is looking for a way to land because he's got to land now. So check out what happens. Sully's the man. It's like lands in the Hudson, like it's nothing. What I want to encourage you with is this, that wherever you find yourself in your walk with God, know that he's a good father. He cares deeply about you. And in any and every situation, he will always create a path out. He will always create a place for a safe landing for his children. The Bible says that, uh, you know, many weapons are formed against us, but they shall not prosper. Uh, another, Another scripture says that he makes the path straight underneath our feet so that our foot can't stumble and fall. Does that mean there won't be any bumps across the way? No. It means life will happen, weapons will be formed, battles will be waged. But what you can realize, what you can rely on is this, that God will always give you a way of escape. He will always give you a way to lean into what he wants for your life. You'll never have to give in because there's no other way. God will prepare a way. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And check this out. God is faithful. Come on. Can somebody say that with me? Say God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Now, I believe there are, that God uses uh, us as vessels to create ways of escape. That's why I believe that the church is so powerful because there are times 
There have been times in my story, there's probably been times in your story where you want to throw in the towel, yet you have a brother or a sister that calls you or texts you, and you can lean into their power. You can lean into what they have and say, dude, don't give up. Come on, you got this. You got this. I believe that God uses different avenues. And I think about that when we talk about takeover and the next generation, when we sat down first with Doc and talked about the vision of takeover, said, well, what are we trying to accomplish with takeover? There's a lot of youth groups out there. There's a lot of things that youth can get involved in, but what are we, what's the main premise? I'll never forget. He said, because we're removing the odds that were set against them because we're removing the barriers that are set up against this next generation. And what I believe is that as the church, we have the ability to create experiences, to create events, to create environments where we provide a safe haven of escape. And we do that for each other. When we're in groups, I can't tell you how many times I'm in a group and I'm so fired up and so challenged by someone sitting across from me because we're talking about a question and they're talking about what God's doing in their life. And I'm like, yo, I need that in my life. I'll never forget, we did the teacher appreciation dinner in here and we had one teacher come in and we didn't know this at the time, but he had just lost uh, someone in his family and he had been facing a ton of difficulties in teaching his students and all the things. And he was trying to fight and it's been years and he was about to give up and one of his faculty members said, hey, come to this dinner. Let it be your last hoorah before you give up. He said, okay, fine. And he got in here. Oh, I could cry. And he got his fire back. He was reminded of why he does what he does. This is what I believe. I believe that God will use his church to create a safe haven of escape so that those who are going down and feel like brace for impact. You don't know anybody's story who's sitting next to you. You don't know the person's story who works with you on the daily. You don't know that person's story, but but God does. And that's why I believe that he puts us in specific places and areas where we are able to be the church for one another. We're able to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit in us because when, how many know when the Holy Spirit's in you, you can do things that are beyond your ability. I think about that all the time because I'm like, man, I am way unqualified for what I do. Anybody else feel that way? I feel way unqualified for the rooms I walk into and the things I get to do on the weekly. But God, can I encourage you? Your story isn't because of who you are. It's but God. He uses willing vessels that are obedient. He uses those that say, Lord, here I am, send me. I may be unqualified. I'm not learned enough. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm actually the opposite of what you need. But Lord, use me. Use me. And, and the Bible says that he will create that way for his children of escape. How many are so thankful that God always provides the Hudson for us to land in?
<laughs> when the pathways don't look like what they should have, right? You, you're trying to get to the runway and all of a sudden it's like, yo, engine failure. What, what's going on? And I thought I was going to land at that retirement and all of a sudden my job, like the bottom fell out. You're like, yo, that's, that's where I'm supposed to be. And God says, don't worry about it. I got a detour for you, but everything is for your good. Everything's for your good. God always gives us a way to not compromise in the face of adversity. Okay, so we're going to jump in. This is after he lands in the Hudson. Now they take him and he's on trial because they think he could have gotten to the airport. They think he could have done that. It was a whole ordeal. So now he's sitting down trying to prove of what he did was correct. So check it out. There's no practice in life. You can't be trained and ready for everything. And sometimes we feel like when we hit those walls or hit those situations, I don't know about you, but I can feel like this is it. I came to this point. And I want to encourage you because it's in those times where you're not trained, you're not ready but you can rely on something that's beyond you. Look, at, look with me at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 29, encouraged me so much. It says, don't concern yourself about what you will eat or drink and quit worrying about these things. Everyone in the world is concerned about these things, but your father knows you need them. Rather be concerned about his kingdom than these things will be provided for you. I think about the scripture in Mark where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and then all the things will be added to you. Sometimes we can get our eyes focused on the wrong things as human beings. We think we need to get everything prepped and ready to go. And, and there's, there's value to preparation. There's value to planning. There's value to strategy. I'm not saying throw all that out the window and just be loosey-goosey with your life. What I am saying is when you plan, when you do all that you can do, then you rely on all that he can do because he's beyond what you can do. And when you seek his kingdom first, when you put all your plans in a row and say, Lord, won't you lead and guide my life? You take the human factor out of your life. You take the human out of your finances. You take the human out of your abilities. You take the human out of your marriage. You take the human out of your parenting. You take the human out of your business you're creating. You take the human out of your nonprofit. You name it. You take the human out when you seek his kingdom first. Because he says, if you seek me first, I follow you with all the things you need. You can seek after and try to get food and what am I going to wear and what am I going to do and how am I going to retire and all these things. You can chase after all these things. He said, but if you do that, it's end of this. Like we talked in the beginning, it's the end of destruction. But if you seek me, he said, seek my kingdom first and you take the human out of the equation. Now all of a sudden it's Holy Spirit resourcing you. It's Holy Spirit giving you the insight in the midst of that situation. In the midst of the storm where you're like, what am I going to do next? Holy Spirit comes in and says, I got you. I got you. I'm backing you up with heaven's resource. <laughs> not Elijah's resource. Not, not, not Heather's resource. Come on. Not Jay and Savannah. Not your resource. How many are thankful that we're not relying on our own resource? Is that when you come into God... 
and you become a child of the king and you say yes to God and you seek him first, your resource is no longer human. Now you are backed up by a supernatural bank account in heaven. Come on. You're backed up by something that is reliable, that is standing strong in the midst of any and every situation. How many are grateful for that? He says, don't worry about those things. Rather be concerned about his kingdom. And then these things will be provided to you. I want to give you three things. And ask the question, how do we be led by the spirit? And again, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But when you come into him, you have to know this. He doesn't leave you alone to figure out your life on your own. He doesn't say, well, good luck. I wrote a Bible, so read it. No, he sent us Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is the presence that's with us every day, all day long. And it's as simple as becoming aware that he's there. And so as a Christian, this is your superpower to know Holy Spirit's with you and to lean into his power. So I wanna give you three things and the three L's, okay? Make it easy. Three things and how to be led by the Spirit. Number one, listen. Listen. You say, well, that's not profound. Yes, it is. In today's culture, it's very profound. We don't listen, do we? <laughs> I'm listening so I can respond. I'm listening so I can prove that I'm right. Go ahead, keep talking. Can't wait to prove myself correct. We don't listen. And when we, when we start to quiet ourselves and listen to the Holy Spirit, when we don't overreact in the moment, there's a scripture that says, be slow to speak, slow to get angry, right? Be quick to listen. If we would train ourselves to do this in any and every situation, when we get in with our spouse and we start to listen, not just to them, but also to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to encourage this moment? When you're at your job and your boss is at their worst and you're like, oh my goodness, I want somebody. And you're like, I can't take it anymore. I got a crick in my neck and it's got your name on it. In that moment, you stop and you listen. Holy Spirit, why am I here? How do you want me to infuse kingdom into this moment? I think about it all the time when I'm, I'm going down the street and I see the guy with the sign in the corner of the street. Lord, what would you want me to do? I can't give everybody a million dollars. I can't set them up. But how can I infuse kingdom into this moment? So we listen. We listen to the still, small voice. And that's stopping our agenda. That's stopping our thoughts and just saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What do you want to do? How do you want, to, you want us to, to handle this moment? The second thing is, Look, look for ways he's empowered you for the victory. Now, this is difficult at some times, but, but sometimes we can just look at what we already have in our hands and the answer's there. <laughs> sometimes I'm, I heard this said one time, is the pastor said, sometimes we pray, Lord, fill the need. And God's just simply directing us, you are the answer, so fill it yourself. Lord, bless me. And he's saying, no, you be a blessing. You're the answer. And sometimes we ask God for something that we can do on ourselves. And so look around, look and see how has God enabled you right now? How has God given you the ability to do what you do? And then the third thing is lean. Lean. 
Lean on his power and strength in times of weakness. When you're at your worst, I promise you, God is at his best. And that's just not a Christian cliche. I felt it. When I was literally at my darkest time is when God, I feel like, dragged me through the mud. I feel like he stuck me over his shoulders and literally carried me. Because it's in those times when we are at our, at our, at our end is when God is just getting started. And I believe that when we lean on his power, we become agents of change. That's why we named this church Change, because I believe that God has made us change makers. We are a body, not just of a church that sits in chairs and we have a service. No, this is a group of people who are change makers, and God has destined you to make change wherever you go. But if you try to do that on your own, my friend, you will wear out. You will burn out, as they say. You'll burn out in ministry. You'll burn out in your marriage. You'll burn out at your job. You'll burn out because you can't do it on your own. But when you learn to lean, come on, when you learn to lean on somebody else, when you learn to lean on the Holy Spirit, when you learn to know that his power is in you, his power is in you. When you start to get that, all of a sudden you're in a whole nother level. You're in a whole different flow. All of a sudden you are flowing in something that is beyond you. Clip four. No? Okay, no, no worries. So they're basically sitting there, and they come to the conclusion that, yes, it was right to land in the Hudson. And the lady says something very interesting to Sully. She says, the X factor in this whole thing is you. And Sully says, no, no. It couldn't have been possible without the flight attendants, without the first responders, without everybody that was on the team. And I want to show that because I think it's so crucial to the story that God is writing in your life is that you can't do it alone. And I want to encourage everybody that's in this room. I want to encourage everybody watching this later. Don't do life alone. You are not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to try to figure out your marriage on your own. You're not trying to figure out your job and your life on your own. You're not trying to struggle to perfection in Christ on your own. Don't do it alone. When you are with people, we all carry the weight. We all bring something different to the table. There's somebody that can speak life into you that you might not even realize that they have that power in your life. And God gives us a family, a family, a community that empowers you in your story. And I believe that it's so powerful when we lean into what God has put in front of us. I, I think about the first church, Church of Acts, when he's creating. It says in Acts chapter two, actually, it talks about, it paints this picture of what God designed. And it says, and all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all. And the extent that anyone had need. And verse 46, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to them day and day. Can you give it up for our media team? Doc is killing it. Like, how many know when technology goes crazy, it is crazy. So Doc, thank you. Thank you for troubleshooting and punching the machine right now. I can see you up there. <laughs> I 
And as we close today, I want to encourage you with this. I believe that God has put people to your right, to your left, to walk this journey with you. And I want to encourage us as a church, as we, as we lean into what God has for this community, as we lean into the different drives we're doing, how we're serving the teachers, serving the students here, as we're serving the police, as they're facing God knows what in our city. I want to encourage us as a church, lock arms. We are powerful together. Don't do it alone. And let, let this body of Christ, let this family strengthen you. You don't have to do it alone. Let it strengthen you. Be reminded that we are God's chosen people for this time. You are chosen for this time. So stand your ground. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Look at what he's already given you and lean on his power and do life as somebody. Hey, we're, we're launching groups today and, and I encourage you, look at a group of people that you could do life with beyond the weekend experience. This is good and this is awesome. We love to celebrate on the weekend and get in his presence. How many know this is just so powerful to start your week off? It's an amazing way to tithe your week and say, Lord, I give it to you. But don't stop here. This is just the start. When you go deep with people, me and, me and uh, Sean, we were talking as we got out of the building project and just, it was a lot happened. And he was like, you know, you can never believe with who you don't bleed with. And I thought, that stuck with me. And I'll always think about that. Is that if you stay on the surface of church and stay on just the, just right up here with everybody, you're not gonna believe for anything. You're not gonna go anywhere. But if you start to bleed with somebody, you start to jump into the family of Christ and you say, all right, let's go deep. Let's process. Let's go after what God has for us. Who does the Lord wanna fill this room with? I mean, look to your right and to your left. We got empty chairs. God can do something incredible through you. God can use us in a mighty way to change someone who might be on their last resort. They might be shouting, brace for impact. They have no idea how to make it work. And yet they're going to find somebody who walks into their life with love, with strength, with resource to give them what they need to give hope and life. I want to end today as Sean comes. I want to, I want to end with praying over us as a church, as a body, that the Lord would fill us with faith to stand our ground. And here's what I want to pray. Here's my biggest prayer for you today. I pray that there will be zero compromise in your life. Because when you stand the course, God builds everything you need to accomplish what he puts you to. I believe he never calls out of you what he doesn't place inside of you. He never does. He never calls you out onto something that's unstable. He always calls you with confidence, knowing he already put it inside of you to draw out. Now, it's our turn to say, all right, Lord, I surrender because I can't see all the things you place inside of me. I can't always see the, the, the abilities and the characteristics and the personality and the things that you put inside of me for this reason. But as you start to do life with each other, you start to do life with him, he starts to bring those things to the surface and you start to realize, I am loved, I'm a child of the king, and I have what I need. 
So I want to pray today the Lord would put something in us, man, like, a, like, a, like an attitude almost, just like, I will not compromise. That's you today. You say, you know, I want that, Elijah. I want that, Pastor. I want, I want to stand in that today. Just as a church, as a body, say, we will not compromise. We won't compromise our faith. We won't pray little prayers. We won't pray with doubt. We won't stand inside each other and say, oh, I hope you get better. No, we're going to pray with authority. We're going to stand and say, no, don't give up. Stand your ground. Stay your course. Brace for impact, but God has a plan for us. God's got a plan for your life. Don't give up. Come on. If that's you, come on. Join me at the altar here. I want to pray that today that God would strengthen us in that decision. That God would strengthen you in that ability to say no. I won't compromise. I won't compromise my relationship with Christ. And today I'm going to make it steadfast in stone. Come on, if that's you, as we worship, would you just come to this altar and just surrender? Let this be a place where we just make a platform and say, Lord, here I am. I'm standing firm. And this is a time I'm making a decision to follow you wholeheartedly. Some of you, you need to make that decision today. Say, Lord, I'm coming back into a fiery relationship with you. I don't want to settle for just going to church on the weekends, playing the motions, just doing the religion thing. No, today I want relationship. That's you. Come on, come on. This is a time where God's drawing you in. No more compromise. No more settling for powerless Christianity. No more. You are a child of the King. You have heaven's resource at your fingertips. God wants you to walk in that power. No more compromise. Come on, step in. Step into what God wants to do in your life. That's you today. Come on, as we worship, once you surrender to him, Lord, do it in me. Do it in me, God. All of the great things you did. Thank you, Jesus. When did I throw away faith for the impossible? did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles you are more than able 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 who am I to deny what the Lord can do Now I see all that I have Oh, I've got my confidence back I put my trust in the one who still does miracles You do miracles Cause you are more than able You are more than 
is able and he will do it yeah. but even if he doesn't <laughs> I will not bow down to you king I think of Meshach Shadrach and Abednego Woo! moment of compromise moment when everybody else was doing it yet they said my God will do it and he is able yeah. but even if he doesn't yeah i won't bow Woo! we said god transform an entire nation through these men who did not compromise they said not on my watch he is number one his kingdom is mine i'm heir to the throne i'm a son i'm a daughter i'm not meant to be like everybody else now, what, what would happen if that, that standard came into your heart and life and you said, not on my watch. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And therefore, we take ownership of the kingdom of God here. And no matter what happens out, man, I say this to my kids all the time. No matter what your friends are doing, I don't care. 
They don't have the last name Hollis. Because as for us, in this house, we stand underneath the favor of the Lord. This is the blessing of who we are. We don't have to settle for what they get. We're rising to a new level. I want to encourage you, church. Don't settle. God wants to raise you for greatness. Man. So God, do it. Do it in us. Do it in us. Do it in our hearts that every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and even Friday, that we wake up with something in our spirit that says, today's my day. And I'm not compromising my faith. I'm not compromising what God wants to do in this place. I wonder how God will use you this week. I wonder how many miracles we're going to start hearing about as you take faith and you start to believe for things greater than what you can do on your own. Come on, as you start to speak life over those dead bones and situations you walk into and you realize that you're not, you're not going to just give in to it. You're going to speak life into it. You're there to prophesy over it. Lord, do it in us. Lord, do it in us. You've called us here as a church for a reason. Do it in us to inspire teachers, to inspire the next generation, to inspire those that are leading the next generation, to inspire the, the first responders, to inspire those who are doing what they do. God, I pray that you would use us as the church. In Jesus' name. You are more than able. Yes, you are. God, you are, you are more than able. You are more than able. You are more than able. Who am I to deny the Lord? Come on, he's not done with you. You're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet. There's so much more. There's so much more to this story. And you're not done. You're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet.
Come on, somebody give the Lord praise right there. Hallelujah.